how to check our attitude, all right? How to check our attitude, and our attitude is real important whenever we are living this thing that we call life. You know, how we, um, how we handle ourselves, how we take a look at different things, and as we go through what we call this life on a day-to-day basis, in and out, you know, we're going to have many different things, you know, happening. We'll have people who will come in and out of our lives. We'll have situations and circumstances that we'll face that can range anywhere from extremely good to extremely tragic. And how we live and deal with those things, it really kind of depends on our attitude uh, before those things happen. It really depends on our perspective on life and the situations and the people uh, within our lives. Um, you know, you can kind of take a, take a look at it. You know, we have all of these different elements to, to, um, uh, to, to our lives and, and the things that are, that are in it. So if you take like a jar, there's just there's really clean water in it. And you can put a spoonful of sand, a spoonful of dirt, and leave it for a little bit and settle and you'll have really clear water and every, and every element in your life is just in place and you have, and everything is just fine. But when we have these circumstances or some of these people, they want to get unruly and they come along and they shake our jar and you shake it up and, and, and um, whether it's a circumstance, whether it's somebody, whether it's um, uh, just the different things you may be going through is that water is no longer clear and you can't see clearly through it. You can't see all the parts and things get muddled up. And the view of the people that we may have in our lives, the view of God, the view of the world, the view of our circumstances that we're living in can be muddled and murky. murky. And we don't really have a clear view of what is to be done or how it needs to be handled. And, we, and it can really affect our attitude and how we treat those circumstances and treat those people and treat um, those things and how we even see ourselves during those times. So we need to really understand that the, the way that we need to look at the world um, needs to be one that the way that God looks at the world. Whenever we are faced with these different circumstances, when we go through the tough times, when we go through these times of shifting sands and these times of shifting um, circumstances, when we're going through those tough times, your attitude and your perspective will heavily influence how you go through them. Okay, there's no question those times will come, that the, the times where our jars will get shaken up. But your attitude and your perspective is really going to make a difference in how you deal with those and how you go through those certain situations and those circumstances. Even not only when times are bad, but even when times are really, really good. We need to make sure that our attitude stays in check. And we want to have the attitude that Christ had. Which brings us to our verse here in 2 second, in, um, second Philippians. No, there's only one. In Philippians, second chapter, verse 5. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you're looking at an NASB, you'll see that it says that let this attitude, to have the same attitude that Christ had. Now, this is a mindset. This is an attitude. So let this attitude, let this mindset be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, we need to make sure that that is the example that we want to live. We want to see and have the attitude that Jesus Christ had because he is our ultimate example. He is the one we are striving to be like. He is the one who we are allowing to mold us into his image. So we obviously want to look to him for the example of how we are to um, 
express our attitude. Now, to have the proper attitude, we need to see things the way that God sees them. There's no question about that. But too often is our attitude affected by situations, by life, by people, and the things that are around us. You know, our attitude should be a standard. It should be an unchanging attitude in the way that we look at things. But too often we allow people and we give the control to people in our lives who will change our attitudes. They'll do something and and we're completely thrown off by it. But our attitudes need to have a a constant standard, and that's the attitude that Jesus Christ has. So before we go any further, what we need to make sure is, is we need to see, do we actually need an attitude adjustment? I don't know about you guys, but whenever I was growing up, there was a thing that we called an attitude adjustment. It was about this long. It was about three-quarter inches thick, made of wood, had a nice little handle on it. My dad was a machinist, and he brought it home. Yes, he machined plastic handles, and it was a very fine piece of that's attitude adjustment there, right? But however, I needed those attitude adjustments, and it worked really well. But however, we need to examine ourselves and examine our attitude if we are going to make the changes that we need to make in order to be more like Christ and have the attitude that Christ had. All right, there we go. And All right, there we go. Okay, so there we go. So we need to examine our attitude. So if we need to understand if we need an, need an, an attitude adjustment, you know, now a lot of you are adults now that you have to do your own attitude adjustment. You actually have to recognize if you're not in the right place when it comes to your attitude, and you have to make a self-examination here. So that's what we're going to be doing today, starting with an examining, examining our attitude. Examining our attitude, the first thing that we're going to ask is, are you typically critical or thankful? Do you complain or are you complimentary when it comes to your situations, when it comes to people, when it comes to just life in general? Whenever you are faced with different circumstances, what is the attitude that really takes place? When you're dealing with people, you know, are you critical of others or are you more complimentary? You know, it's really easy for us to be critical. I'm, I'm going to say it's, it's pretty easy for us to really pick out the negative. It's really easy for us to take a bad situation and complain about it, right? It's very easy for us to do that. Now, Toby Mack, he has, a, he has a quote. It says, you know, did you really have a bad day or was it really a bad five minutes that you milked all day long? I mean, really think about that. You know, I mean, a lot of times we allow these things to just really kind of take over us and we want to complain about it. And when we criticize other people and we start finding negative things about other people that we can talk about and complain about, I mean, it's almost kind of fun, is it not? It's almost easy to find negative things to talk about other people. And we'll tell you what even makes it even better is if you can find somebody else to agree with you. Right? So once we find somebody else to agree with us, now we've got misery that loves company. We can just complain about it, and then we can, we can just build each other up, and we can milk this thing as long as we possibly need to and, and keep moving forward with that. But that's not a good attitude to have. We don't want to be someone who seeks out the negative in order to criticize other people, but we want to seek out the positive in doing that. So the question we need to ask is, are we critical of others, or are we more complimentary? And if we find ourselves to be continually critical and looking, at, at looking for negative things, we may need an attitude check. 
Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 15, it tells us this. It says, see that no one renders evil to evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good. Always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. So, so having this attitude that looks for good, that pursues good, is not only for the benefit of others, but it's also for your own personal benefit as well. It says that this is going to be for yourself and for all. Never render evil for evil to anyone, he says. But we always want to make sure that we're pursuing what is good, both for ourselves and for the others. Now, when it comes to our circumstances, we were talking about people here and being critical of other people. What about our circumstances and the situations in which we live? Well, if we follow, follow um, a couple verses down in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18, we are given plainly stated the very will of God is that in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you if you're ever wondering what the will of God is for you this is one instance in the word of God where it says this is the will of God for you to be thankful in all things now when it comes to our situations as I said they can range from things that are great to things that are extremely tragic now I want you to understand that this verse is not saying to be thankful for everything that happens not to be thankful for the tragedy, but to be thankful through them. Bad things happen. We suffer things that are against the will of God in our lives, and we are the victims of those things. We're not saying to be thankful for those things, but we are thankful to God through them. He says, in all things give thanks. Now, in verse, in verse 18, uh, it tells us that in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, God calls us to be thankful and to pursue what is good. Be thankful in all situations, even the ones that you do not like. And be positive to other people, even to the ones you do not like. And that's tough, right? It's very difficult. But that's the attitude that we really need to take, you know, that attitude that is in Christ, we need to be a positive thinker in that. So we need to make sure that we're not critical, but we're positive seeking. Secondly, another aspect of our attitude. <coughs> I keep pushing that button. There we go. Are you selfish or selfless? Do you seek the benefit of others or are we always looking to build up ourselves? When you look at your situations, are you looking for what's in it for you or what you can get out of it? Now, Scripture is very clear when it calls us to look out for the interests of other people. Now, in, now in the context of the Scripture that we opened with, in, um, in, uh, in Philippians chapter 2, if we back up to verses 3 and 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Let nothing be done for the sole building up of ourselves, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others higher than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now what that does tell us here is that we do have to look out for ourselves, but we are instructed here clearly not to look out solely for ourselves. You know, we take care of ourselves in order that we may be better equipped in order to take care of the interests of others. But we always have to have an understanding that it's, uh, it's other people that we need to be concerned with continually. 
You know, every, you know, we are not the only person on this planet. We share it with about 7 billion other people. And we should be concerned with other people. So if our attitude is typically more selfish rather than selfless, we may need an attitude check in this area. If you're looking out for ourselves, you know, what has happened whenever, whenever you're in a time of need? If you find a very selfish person, a lot of people don't really typically want to help, right? But it's those selfless people that seem to serve us, you know, have one, you know, one friend in mind, that he's always willing and ready to do anything that you ask him to do, willing to offer. If he finds out that you have something going on, he's always there to help you out, which makes it really difficult to tell him no <laughs> whenever he needs something, right? You know, you don't ever want to invite people to over to help you move because they're going to move one day. <laughs> yeah, and they're going to ask you. That makes it really, really difficult. But however, in those selfless acts towards one another, we need to make sure that we're really looking out for the benefit of other people. And if we find ourselves always concerned and consumed by what we can get for ourselves and how we can make things work in our benefit without the consideration of others, we, need to make, we may need to take a little bit of an attitude check. Next. Are you apathetic or passionate? Are you apathetic or passionate? You know, one of the biggest hurdles to overcome is apathy, just kind of a lack of passion, just kind of an idea of, you know what, I just don't really care. You know, that's really, really difficult for a lot of us. And being apathetic, you know, towards this, or do we want to be passionate? You know, in our circumstances, do we, do we find our attitude of, you know what, I just don't care? It's not concerned, but it's just, just going to happen, so therefore I'm going to remove myself completely from it, and I'm done with it. Or are we passionate about what's actually going on and seeing how God is going to work and seeing what things need to happen? You know, God's looking for people who, will, who are caring and looking for people who are passionate about the world around us. Now, I believe that there is a balance, right? There needs to be some objectivity in the work that we do and how we do things. You know, sometimes, you know, we just, we just have to look at the facts, and make decisions based on those things, but there's also a balance of things and having a passion in order to move things the way that God would have us to move. So there can be a balance. And this one is very difficult for me because I'm, I'm actually one of those guys that, um, I, don't, I wouldn't say apathetic, but you know, I'm just, I want the facts, right? And then I want to make the, then I want to make the, I want to make the choice, I want to make, make the move and go into the direction based on the facts without really considering um, a lot of the passion that is, that is needed there, or the emotional things, or the outbreaks that could happen. I want to go straight forward. So, if we find ourselves being more apathetic rather than passionate, we may need an attitude check in that particular area. And finally, the last check is, are you proud or humble? Do you find yourself to be very proudful and puffed up, or are you someone who is humble? Now, this can, this can happen in, um, you know, when the times are going great and going good. When things are going extremely well, you know, how could your attitude be? It'd be very easy for us to get very puffed up and very prideful when things are going so good. But if I could bring you down a little bit, a little bit if you really think things are going good and it's solely by your, by your, by your, by your abilities or by your strength or your own talent, God is truly the one who's in control. When things are going good, it's truly only by the grace of God that we can, that we can um, uh, experience those good times. 
And we need to make sure that we are humbled in that fact, that this is the handiwork of God in my life. He's the one who is a supplier of all things that are good. We need to be able to look at those things in such a way and not allow ourselves to be built up and be prideful in doing that. But also, whenever things can go bad, are we too prideful to ask for help? Are we too, pride, too prideful to admit that, you know, this may be too big for me to handle? And, and to be able to trust God with the, being obedient to his word and actually able to turn to him and say, God, I need help here. Or turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Pride can be a very destructive thing, and I believe that's one of, why God, God is it's one of those things that God truly hates. His pride can keep you from him. God is the one who is truly in control. He is the one who is at work. And God is looking for people who are going to be humble and who can recognize that he is the one is, who is in control. So these are just a few different areas. You know, are you critical or thankful or complimentary? Are you selfish or selfless? Do you find yourself to be apathetic or passionate, proud or humbled? How'd y'all do? How'd, how'd we score on this? You know, I mean, I probably need some help. I, mean, I probably need some help. So, we're, so what do we do with this? So once we've seen and we've actually identified the issue, we really need to see, you know, how can I adopt this mind that is in Christ? How can I adopt the attitude that Jesus Christ had? Now, in the context of here, this is such a humiliating position for Jesus to have taken on. I mean, if we really truly think about what Jesus Christ did and from where he came and how lowly he became from what he was in order to bring us the gift of eternal life. You know, humility is huge in the example of Jesus Christ. It's huge. As we just take, it just a, take just a moment here, if we start in verse 5, let's just read down just a few verses. And that'll, that'll get us into what we need to do as far as how to change our attitude. Once we've identified where our, where our weak points are, let's actually take a look and see where we need to change. <clears throat> so starting in verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and becoming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. What an amazing example for us to follow. I mean, there's a lot that can be said. There's a lot that can be unpacked just in these verses, and we're going to look at just a few of them. But I truly believe that in order for us to really change our attitudes... When it comes to the situations that we face, when it comes to the people that we have to deal with, when it comes to the world in which we live, if we're truly going to change our attitudes, we've got to change our perspective. Really, it's all how you look at things. You know, my wife had the if gathering this week, and I could have looked at the fact that I was stuck at home with the kids in two different ways, right? I have to watch the kids without the help of my wife. Or I get to spend some daddy time with my kids. I mean, it's really about a perspective, is it not? That can completely change your attitude about the situation. And we really need to look at different things the way that I believe that Christ would look at things and the way that God would have us to see the world and the people and the situations that are around us. And that's what we're going to be really focusing on this morning. We need to see things the way that God sees them. If we have God's perspective, 
On the different areas of our lives, I believe that our attitudes would follow right where they should be. We could adopt that attitude that even Christ has. So the first thing that we're going to look at this morning, when it comes to changing our attitudes, how do we need to see, what do we need to see the way that God sees? The first thing is we need to see people the way that God sees people. Now, I'm no stranger, and I'm not too naive to understand and to know that some of you know, God's people are just difficult. Right? Nobody else agrees. Okay. Well. <laughs> I mean, sometimes I mean, dealing with people can be hard. You know, it can be very difficult. Some people are just not, you know, just don't get along um, as well as others, uh, as well as others. But however, if we're going to really change our attitude and the way that people really approach us and the way that people talk and the way that they handle themselves, if we see them through our own eyes, we can start making judgments that we probably shouldn't make and we can start to be, and we can start, you know, looking at the negative and start really picking them apart. And once we start doing that and we're seeing them for who we think that they are, it can really heavily affect how we treat them. Correct? But what we need to truly do is we need to put on the lenses that Christ sees them through. We really need to take a, take a step back and just take a look. Say, God, how do you want me to see this person? And how do we see others? Now, Jesus gives, gives us an, an incredible example in John chapter 8, you know, with a woman who was caught in adultery. You know, the religious leaders of the scribes and the Pharisees, they brought this woman to Jesus and said, this woman has been caught in adultery. As a matter of fact, we caught her in the very act. We know that this was happened. She's supposed to be killed. What are you going to do, Jesus? Now, we can see there's a huge contrast in how these Scribes and Pharisees felt about the woman, how these scribes and Pharisees saw this woman versus how Jesus saw this woman. The scribes and Pharisees did not even care about this woman, had no compassion for her whatsoever, completely apathetic towards this woman. As a matter of fact, just wanting to have her completely stoned and thrown away. They were just used as a tool to try to, chip, to, to, try to trip Jesus up and try to fool him. So they brought him to Jesus and said, what are you going to do with her? She's supposed to be killed. You're probably even staked out long enough to find out that she's going to go into this room and she's going to exhibit the behavior for which she's being accused in order that they could catch her in the act in order to bring Jesus to the table. Completely and totally saw this woman in a horrible way. As a tool, as a use, just, to, just to be used for the purpose of trying to, tr trying to trip Jesus up. And, and then he brings her, then they bring her to Jesus it says, Lord, what are you going to do? Are you going to stone her? That's what, that's what needs to happen. And of course, this is one of those questions that you're going to ask Jesus when you get to heaven. What did you write in the dirt, right? As he goes and he starts to play in the dirt and starts to write on the dirt with his finger, you know, they kind of interrupt him. He gets up and he says a few words and he goes back down and he starts to write again. And as the oldest one down from the youngest, they start to walk away. Now, again, we don't know what was written down there. It's just one of those things that, you know, I hope to get an answer to one day. But however, once it comes down to it, Jesus looked at this woman and says, where are those who accuse you? Where are they? It's like, well, there aren't any. They're not here anymore. He says, well, I don't condemn you either. He had passion on this woman. He looked at this woman not as an adulterer. Yes, she was sinful. 
Yes, there was no question that Jesus recognized her behavior was against God in his nature. But he was able to see her in a way that the scribes and Pharisees refused to see. We need to see people as Jesus sees. Now, Jesus, he saw the very heart of the woman who was caught in adultery. There's no question, but he knew the potential. He saw a woman who was created in the very image of God. He saw a woman that he would soon lay down his life in order to pay for her sin debt. He didn't contone her behavior. However, he didn't condemn her at the same time. But he did tell her to do what? Go and stop it. Go and stop it. He cared enough about her for her to live her life and continue on, and he corrected her and sent her and said, don't sin anymore. Stop it. And had compassion on this woman. So when it comes to us and we're looking at other people, it's very important that we see people the way that God sees them. Yes, there's, you don't have to go very far to find, or at least I don't have to go very far to find people who disagree with me on what I consider to be very, very big issues, very important issues. I don't have to go very far to find people practicing and living in a lifestyle that I know is contrary to the Word of God and it's something that I despise. But however, when it comes to people believing and living in such a way, whenever I see them, I need to see them with the eyes of Christ. I need to be able to observe them the way that Jesus sees them and be able to pray for them in order to reach out to them with love and grace and with the truth in order to reconcile them to God through, through Jesus Christ, the Son. So whenever we look at people, we really need to see them as God sees them. And I believe once we have those lenses on, I believe that we can truly change our attitude whenever it comes to dealing with different people. You know, there's a song by, by Brandon Heath. Some of you may already be thinking about this song, but this is what he said, and I thought it was appropriate. He said, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes so I can see. Everything that I keep missing, give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Truly, if we can see people the way Jesus sees people, if we can adopt that attitude of love and grace to, to, our, to, our, to the fellow, to our mankind, I believe that our attitude would change and it would truly affect how we act and how we talk and treat even the people that strongly disagree with who we are. Secondly, second thing we need to see, the way that God sees, is we need to see our situations the way that God sees our situations. The circumstances that we live, we need to see them from the perspective of the high ground of where God is and how he sees what's going on in our lives. You know, when tough, whenever tough times come to us, you know, how do we respond? Whenever we're dealt with these things, you know, how do we respond and how do we approach the circumstances that we're faced with? And as we take a look at the circumstances that Jesus was in, it said, and starting in verse 6 again in, um, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, Who being in the form of God did not consider him to be robbery, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. How horrendous are the circumstances for Jesus Christ? How horrendous are these circumstances? I mean, the circumstances of leaving heaven 
coming down to earth, being a man, putting on flesh, walking amongst men who don't believe what he says, who don't want to talk, who are rejecting him, ultimately sentencing him to death on the cross, how horrible of a situation is that truly? But what is that situation from God's perspective? What is that situation? This is a situation that's taking place that's ultimately going to bring me honor and glory. This is a situation through my son is going to go through and he is going to die for the sins of mankind in order to solidify a relationship with me with my creation again. And as we're going through this situation, as he's going through this time, and he's going to be obedient to death, the perspective that God has is that this is going to build my kingdom. This is going to be for the greatest benefit of mankind. So he's seeing the end from the beginning, is he not? So when he's looking at the situations, when we're going through different circumstances, we can have an understanding that maybe from God's perspective, he's really truly working something out here something that I may not be able to see, something I may not be able to understand. Now, Jesus, he had the perspective. He knew why he was coming. But from our perspective, you know, we may not be able to see all of the things and how everything is supposed to be played out. We may not be able to see those things that are in the future for us. But however, from God's perspective, our situations are probably not quite as bad as we really think that they are. As a matter of fact, there's no situation that God can't overcome. There's no, there's no situation that God cannot bring good out of. But do you see your circumstances as opportunities for growth, as opportunities to become closer to God, to really sit back and see God really and truly work? Now, the circumstances that we live in, as I said, they can be as good as they can possibly be, or they can be extremely tragic. But regardless of what they are, we have Romans 8, 28, do we not? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And we know that all things work together for good. Again, that does not mean that everything that happens to you is a good thing. We go through tragedies. We go through great sufferings. We, we suffer things that, um, that other people do to us. We suffer things that we can't really even imagine or understand why they actually happen to us. And I would even go as far as to say that sometimes we suffer things that were outside of the very will of God. But however, during those circumstances, during those times, even as tragic as they may be, and even if we may be a victim of it, we can know that God can work something good out of it. He can bring an end result. We understand that Jeremiah 29, 11, it tells us that he has loving feelings towards us and he wants to give us an expected end. He wants us to give us, he wants to give us a future and he wants to give us a hope. And I truly believe that there's anyone who could possibly take something tragic and then as we get through it, bring it to something great and something God glorifying and something good is truly in the very powerful hands of an almighty God who loves you very much. So if we see our circumstances as something, as an opportunity for us to grow, if we see our circumstances as a time that God can really show up and really show out and really carry us through this, I believe when we're facing those circumstances, our attitudes can be somewhat transformed to one like Jesus Christ. 
Christ. I mean, Jesus, he suffered on the cross. And while he was on that cross, he suffered a separation from the Father that had never happened before. And as he died, God reached down, he resurrected his son. And we are the ones who are the beneficiaries of that in order to be able to call him father and to have a relationship with him. But we must understand that we will go through trials. But whenever those trials happen, and whether those circumstances happen, whether they're good or bad, we really need to take the high perspective. Take the perspective that God has, and let's sit back and look at it. and say, what would God be able to do with this? Well, the truth to be told, God could do anything he possibly wanted to with it. But let's just sit back and see what God is going to do. Now, we understand that in the Old Testament, Job is one who's always referred to to go through some really tragic times, really difficult times, lost everything. You know, his attitude at first was really, really good. Blessed be the name of the Lord he gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then he started kind of getting worn down a little bit. He started complaining a little bit, which is understandable, right? And then God comes and he talks to him and he starts giving him the perspective of who? Of who he is. He said, look, have you heard about this Leviathan? Have you heard about this big, huge animal? It's got plates on him. I mean, you can't pierce him with a spear. I created him. I can crush him. So there's nothing that you're going to go through that I can't handle. So therefore, I am your God. And I like what, what Job said in Job chapter 42 and verse 5. This is after he'd gone through the tragedies and the trials. And God had truly come and shown out. He said, I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you. We can truly, truly gain great growth and opportunity when we go through situations that we, we, that we can't see hope through. But on the end, you know, we can see God. We can look back and say, God, you were truly there. You truly blessed me in this way. You took this tragic time in my life and you truly made it out for good. But we need to make sure that we understand. We, in, order for this to, in order for God to work the good, you know, we gotta continue to love him. We gotta continue to trust him. We gotta, take, we gotta adopt the perspective that he has when it, comes to our, when it comes to our situations and we must love him through it. And it is, it is only then and when that good can be seen whenever we trust God and we continue to be obedient with him. But I have heard of you by the hearing of my ear, but now my eyes see you. We also need to see ourselves as God sees us. We need to see how God looks at us. You know, many times whenever we look in the mirror, we're paralyzed with fear. We're paralyzed with who we see. And whether the circumstances may come to us or people deal with us in certain ways, we become paralyzed with self-doubt. Say, look, you know, I'm just not the guy to do this. I mean, I, or if God has brought us to a point where we have to make a decision and we think the decision is too big for us to make, or we think that that step requires way too big of a level of faith that we don't have. And we think that we can't do it. We think if we step in faith that we're going to be failures. And a lot of times that we'll be paralyzed right where we are and we fail to move forward because we fail to see ourselves the way that God sees us. You know, I think this is very, very important, you know, these days. You know, we are, we are bombarded with what, you know, our self-image should be and how we are to identify ourselves. 
I'm going to tell you. It doesn't really matter what your feelings may be or how your desires are. Your identity is found in who God says you are. When it comes to living your life in this world, if it comes to dealing with people in the situations and just living life, you really need to see yourself the way that God sees you. God sees you as an incredible creation. He sees you as someone for whom he died. He sees you, for some who, so, for, for, um, he sees you as someone who is worth coming and giving his life. He sees someone who's worth giving you eternal life. He sees you as someone who's going to be a co-heir with his son, Jesus Christ. He sees you just like that. He loves you greatly. And when it comes to the times and the difficult times, he sees someone, though me may be weak in our own flesh, but he sees someone in whom he can show himself truly to be strong. You know, God, in, in many times in, in, in the Word of God, there's been so many examples where God has reached down through the weak people, to the people who are unexpectedly the ones that he truly um, got, got his will played through. We look at the shepherd boy David, a little kid, defeating a, defeating a giant. Use someone weak. Now, David did not have the perspective that he was a great warrior. No, he had the perspective that he had a great God that was bigger than the giant. Whenever he can take someone who's a persecutor of the church, one who murdered Christians, and transform him into the greatest evangelist of all time in the Apostle Paul. What do you think God can do with you? So when you look in the mirror, and don't look to the perspective of who you really think you are. Don't look to the perspective of your weaknesses and the fact that, that those things that will stop you, the things that will cause fear and anxiety over you. Look at yourself through the eyes of Jesus. He says, look, you're an amazing creation. I love you, and I want to work mighty works through you. And we have that perspective in our attitude. I believe that would give us a great, a great, to be able to go into this world with confidence. Not to be cocky, but to be able to stand before man and do the work of Christ with confidence because of who God says that I am. And I can move forward. So we must have an understanding when it comes to our attitudes about ourselves, we really need to see ourselves the way God sees us. And he loves us greatly, and he wants to do mighty things in and through us. <clears throat> and lastly, we need to look at the future the way that God sees the future, or how God desires the future to be. Basically, we need to trust him with the future. We need to trust him with the expected end that he has. We need to trust him that he's got the plans already written out and they're in place. You know, he knows what can happen. He, he can work his will in and through our lives. He's got an expected end for you. And as long as we are willing and to, to avail ourselves to doing what God has called us to do and to being obedient to him, he can bring us to that expected end. He can bring us to that future. He can bring us to that hope that he has for each and every one of us. But it's going to require on our part to be obedient to him to bring us there. He's got, this, he's got it laid out. He wants to give you a future. He wants to give you one that's expected a great hope. Now, what did he do for Jesus Christ as we continue in this? And as Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross, even through that situation, even though Jesus dealt with the people who ridiculed him and put him to death, when he died on the cross, he was resurrected. And verse 9 tells us, Therefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. God's plan the entire time was to have his son resurrected and exalted 
worshipped as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, the position of King of Kings and Lord of Lords is taken by Jesus. But even though the tragic things that we go through and the people that we have to deal with, the situations that we go through, we have to understand that, that God is in the future. That God will and can work out all things for good. And we must trust him that, 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 that the future is truly in his hands. So when it comes to the situation that we may be living in, you know, do we become apathetic about our situation? Do we get to a point where we just say, well, there's just no hope in this situation? But I want you to understand, God sees the possibilities. God knows the end that he can take you. He knows that there is a spot that we can call good if we get through it. He can bring about the good. Now, our attitude about this, having a proper perspective of these things, I mean, really, if we see people the way that God sees people, and we see the situations that we go through in our circumstances the way that God looks down and sees them, and if we see, um, uh, we see ourselves the way that God sees us, and we see the future as God can see it, if we put on the lens that God sees our lives through, I mean, how much better could our attitudes be? This would truly change our attitudes. We could look at the world in a completely new and fresh way with a, with a, with a confidence and a fearless uh, perspective that I don't believe could be matched in any, other, in, in any other position. But I want you to understand that our attitude truly is our choice. Our attitude truly is our choice. But when it comes to our attitude, especially in the situations in the future that we're looking at and trusting God for, are we going to ask the question or are we going to make the statement that there's just nothing that can be done? Or are we going to look at it with the perspective of let's see what God is doing? Now you can look at the situation, any situation you're talking about, whether good or whether, it whether it's bad, and ask yourself the, the, those two different perspectives. Look, there's nothing I can do about it. Or we can take the perspective of what's God doing here? And where and what do I need to be doing in order to make uh, to, make this, uh, to make this happen and to bring God honor and glory. But as we prepare for an invitation this morning, as our musicians come forward, as we look to conclude this message, there's a couple of questions that we really need to ask ourselves. You know, what really comes to the surface when your life is shaken? You know, the jar that we talked about. You know, your jar is going to get shaken. There's no question about it. But from what perspective are we really going to look at it? You know, see, we are like a person who's in the jar, getting shook, right? What's the perspective that God has? He's outside the jar. He can tell you what's going to happen. He can tell you what's going on. He can be there with you. He can control what's going on. So, therefore, we need to see the things the way God sees it. And having a Christ-like attitude when our jar is shaken... And having a Christ-like attitude towards people and the circumstances, I want you to understand, I believe it's essential in surviving the difficult times. I believe it's essential for just living life. So this morning I want to ask that you would examine your attitude this morning. You know, let's change what needs to be changed. Because, I mean, honestly, I mean, how many of y'all would really love to be able to look at the world in a whole new fresh light? Yeah, I mean, it'd be amazing. To be able to walk around in confidence, you know, in joy, to be able to see the world the way that God sees it, as, as, as tons of potential and lots of good that could, be, that, could, that could come about by the working of God.
Now, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, it tells us this. It says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is at hand. Just adopting that. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In what areas of your life this morning do you need an attitude check? You know, what circumstances do you need to turn over to the Lord and see them the way that he sees them? Who are the people in your life that you need to see the way that God is seeing them? Are we seeing the world the way that God sees? This is a very important fact that you need to understand at this point. Your circumstances and other people may never change. Your circumstances and other people may never change, but our attitude can. When we take on the perspective of God and we adopt the attitude of Christ, it would make all the difference in the world in how you live your life. Let's stand, let's pray. Father, again, we just want to thank you so much for your wonderful example in your word. God, we want to thank you so much for the mind of Christ that has been exposed to us this morning. And Father, I pray that there's some here today that have looked at the world you know, through our own, own eyes. And they see a change that needs to be made so we can see the world the way you see it. And Father, we truly are asking for that to be done this morning. And we just ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.